if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode four of season two. If we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. With me, as ever, are George Harker, the Leeds fan, and Nick Gilmer, the Manchester United fan. My name is Alex Gross. I'm a Spurs fan and your host. Together, we pick through the bones of the weekend's football, and there certainly is a lot to get through this week. Isn't that right, Nick? You must be a happy bunny yet again. I am over the moon, and I'd like to point out to listeners that um, it wasn't foolish of me bravely predicting that United were going to go down. It was It was brave. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we'll get to all that. United again topping the bill in terms of the news this week with a 3-1 win over Arsenal. I was also uh, fairly content. Once again, nothing to grumble about, George, uh, because uh, we beat Fulham at home. Not quite the same story for you this weekend. No, VAR is shite, newsflash. Quite a lot to grumble about. (laughs) Yes, I'll, uh, I'll wait my turn. Yeah, keep your powder dry and we'll come to that. Just for anyone who didn't catch it, um, Leeds chucked in five goals at uh, Brentford and um, succumbed to a 5-2 defeat. But we'll get to that in good time. Top billing, if you get my drift this weekend, I'll give to Bournemouth with Billing's great strike. And having been beaten 9-0 at Anfield last weekend, they came from behind to win at Nottingham Forest. George, did you see... um, What's his name? McKenna. Did you see McKenna's error at the end of that goal for the winner? I didn't, no. Oh, that was quite something. Um, I think he's the only member of that team. You told us how they've signed about 20 players, not in yes. Forest. He's probably the only member of uh, the, the championship team that's come up, although I'm no expert, but I guess he probably is. And um, on, on the touchline at 2-2 uh, in the last minute of the game, he just sort of he lost all composure and gave it to the to the Bournemouth player. I'm sorry, I'm not describing this well because I don't know who anybody is. But uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone does at Forest, don't worry. Exactly, yeah, even the Forest fans don't know who's playing for them. In any case, um, a chap called um, Jaden Anthony, is it? Scored a, yeah. a sensational last-minute winner. And uh, I felt quite pleased for those away fans who suffered that 9-0 the week before. That was quite nice to see. Maybe when we alluded to there being more to it, Scott Parker's departure, it was he's not very good. Yeah, <laughs> someone else has come in and won straight away. Well, four yeah. points, isn't it? Four points since they got humbled nine nil. That's right, because uh, uh, Nick's alluding to the midweek round of fixtures, which we'll also uh, gloss over today. Um, they got uh, a nil nil against Wolves. Now, there's a surprise. <laughs> Regular listeners will know that uh, we've been talking about how watching Wolves is much akin to watching paint dry. Elsewhere, there were a couple of nil nils on Saturday. The Mersey side derby. Who saw that one? Yeah, the goalkeeping show. Actually uh, pretty good for a nil-nil, wasn't really it? Really a nil-nil, yeah. Cracking yeah. And um, Pickford, lots of saves for the cameras. Yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> having it that they were all wonder saves. Some of them were straight at him. It's a bit of a battle at the moment, isn't it, between Pickford and Pope? And uh, the other nil-nil that you're referring to, Pope, yeah. had a, Pope had a storming game as well. Yeah, I really like Pope. Uh, as I've said before, want him to be England number one. And it is an agenda I'm pushing, but um, to be fair... Pickford did well, as did Alisson. I suppose the other headline from Saturday is that uh, Haaland didn't score a hat-trick and Man City didn't win at uh, Steven Gerrard's embattled Villa. 
That's because I finally put him in my team and made him captain. That's why. <laughs> yeah, he did get uh, he did get Not a goal. Prob- probably one of my favourite moments of the weekend was the De Bruyne cross for that. Absolutely gorgeous. I know, obviously, a great finish from the unstoppable Norwegian. But uh, Leon Bailey with a great goal to equalise for Villa and a result that nobody really expected. That uh, brought us then to Sunday, and Leicester scored in the first minute down at Brighton. Um, whom we've been praising for a few weeks now, especially George after Leeds lost there. And Brighton roared back, if if seagulls can roar. Um, <laughs> and they scored five. They scored another one, which was sadly disallowed because it was oh, an absolute cracker. What a goal. And, I, still, um, I can't come to terms with someone called McAllister being from Argentina, but what a strike that was. as a massive shame that got chalked off. That's right. Alexis is his first name, isn't it? He doesn't even look Argentinian. He looks Scottish with a Scottish name. Yeah. It just doesn't fit at all. Um, now, did Brighton won that or did Leicester contrive to chuck it? Yeah, uh, that's where I was going. Yeah, I think uh, another good win for Brighton, but um, Leicester do look in sheer disarray. Um, it's, it had somehow escaped me that they lost Kasper Schmeichel. He's gone for less than a million to Nice, which is a head scratcher for me. And their replacement keeper, well, I don't need to dig him out anymore because he got pretty savage treatment on match of the day already but um yeah Danny Ward had a nightmare and then all the body language of the Leicester players they were showing how they were fighting and arguing with each other and yeah it really doesn't look good a, bit um, of a strange I don't know what you call it Premier League retirement home down on the French Riviera see they've signed yes Barkley this week uh, I didn't Aaron know Ramsey. that either Aaron Ramsey as well, and Casper uh, Schmeichel, yeah. Owned by Jim Radcliffe, the very rich man who United fans are willing to make a bid for the club. Yeah, I was going to say whom United fans are courting, yeah. 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 So that brings us to uh, primetime Sunday afternoon, Nick. And um, you had, especially because of City's drop points, you had the uh, <laughs> runaway leader goons coming to uh, Old Trafford. I think it was said that they've won there once in the last 15 Premier League visits, which really doesn't bode well, especially with how easy it's been for many teams to get something at Old Trafford in recent years. Yeah, I think everyone bar, bar Arsenal have gotten over that particular hex. Not but... us. <laughs> <laughs> Not Leeds, yeah. <laughs> Except in the cup, if I remember. And George will remind us on the anniversary, as he does year in, year out. Um, I don't think podcasts were in the thing when that happened, so <laughs> it needs to be forgotten. <laughs> but uh, 3-1 uh, is the headline. Anthony, goal, the new signing, uh, two for Rashford. Uh, but that's what it looks like on paper. Actually, what unfolded in the game, certainly for the first hour, was Arsenal playing good football. Um, you were saying to me uh, in your messages that you thought they were brilliant, and mm. uh, I, I wasn't quite on board with that because... Because well, you can't. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, but uh, I knew that something would happen to them, and it did in the shape of um, Arteta rolling the dice with a triple substitution, all of them attacking changes far too early, more than 20 minutes from the game. And then um, United, I think, quite simply picked them off, didn't they? Really quite ruthless. Arteta was exposed, actually, with that substitution. I think he yep. said already that um, it was stupid and naive and it was football manager management. It was not the yep. sort of thing you do when you're on top of a big game away. And I think it probably would have been 2-2 if he stuck to his plan because his plan was working. They'd been 
hit by a couple of sucker punches. I think the game's going to be most notable just for the amount of Arsenal piss it's boiled. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying social media over the last 48 hours. Um, yeah, I haven't but, indulged in that, but I did enjoy Paul Merson repeatedly yeah. trying to claim that the plaudits, as Kino said, um, the plaudits that they'd won were worth something and that, that really they, they held their own. And Roy Keane next to him just shaking his head and saying it doesn't count for anything. Yeah, he then, I think, proceeded to talk himself out of that and then started criticising the Arsenal players for yeah. their various mistakes. I think it's probably a, a game and a match that will suit both teams. United needed to carry their momentum in and Arsenal needed to put in a performance against the big team and, and both have achieved that. I think Arsenal have probably learned some lessons and, and I'm just, I'm hugely impressed with them. I don't want to give them a pitiful pat on the head, but I did think that they played really brilliant football with perhaps a lack of a cutting edge. And, and as much of that is down to United's improvement defensively. Would which, you which... say that their defending is still quite suspect though? Bearing in mind that goal that Mitrovic scored against them at the Emirates and some of the mistakes here. Yeah, I think so. I think there was, certainly there was a naivety giving Rashford that amount of space to run in behind when he's one of the fastest strikers in the league. Is yeah. odd. And I think Eric Ten Hag is beginning to prove himself to be a properly elite manager because, you know, he brought Ronaldo on to trick Arsenal's defence into taking that step further up, which just gave Rashford further space. And that's the sort of management that United have lacked over the last few years, um, bouncing from caretakers to fan old favourites. So he's been hugely impressive, actually, even in the, um, the way he responded to the two Big losses yeah, and his changes felt much more calculated than Arteta's, didn't they? They did, yeah. He felt like he was in control of what he was doing, whereas Arteta seemed to panic and chuck on every striker he had on the bench. And, and it's probably no surprise that Arsenal conceded so quickly after those changes were made. Um, but, I, you know, I think it suits United. I think it will suit Arsenal in the longer term because I think they can come out of that thinking, OK, we're, we're, we're back at the top table. It is a really interesting discussion that they had on on the sky sofas because I, I wouldn't I couldn't tell you which of these teams is going to finish above the other um, no. I think I think they're very very close which might end up meaning they'll finish fifth and sixth but I think it was a, a really brilliant Sunday afternoon match actually um, yes it was a good good Sunday fair I would say yeah they're still building that fixture up as if it was 20 years ago but um, for once it sort of lived up to that in terms of football and and a bit of drama we're going to um, get to lots of VAR controversy what did you think of the uh, Odegaard Ericsson thing I just don't understand the controversy it was a foul clearly in real so time you'd have been okay if it was the other way around yeah if it was the other way around and say Varane had gone through the back of Jesus on the edge of the area it's a free kick every single time I just didn't understand why it wasn't given at the time. The match played on and I I was absolutely convinced they'd go back and turn it over. It only seemed to be Gary Neville who thought that there was some sort of injustice going on. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was fairly adamant it was never a foul. Yeah, he was so pissed off he's resigned today, hasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Poor old Burton. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I wasn't surprised it was overturned. I was absolutely convinced it would be. I think it was harsh in that it was a soft foul, but it was a foul. And that's something okay. that Tierney should have picked up on at the beginning when it we'll, first happened. We'll leave the rest of the meat on that VAR bone for George yeah. to chew through after the break. The other thing I would say is that have a look at Ramsdale's goalkeeping for Anthony's goal, because this will probably end up being remembered as the Anthony debut. But, yeah. um, I'm really glad you didn't bring Ramsdale into the conversation for the England goalkeeper no. <laughs> because it, honestly the first goal it's like he's blindfolded 
and yeah. he's been told to dive for a shot that's coming and he can't see the player and he can't see the ball because he completely goes the wrong way and it, it's it's really difficult to explain without thinking you're watching some sort of FIFA glitch when you're playing the PlayStation. Yeah. It's like he was tempting him onto his stronger yeah. foot. Like, it's like, go on then. And he did, obviously. <laughs> he still dived either way. It's it was dreadful strange. goalkeeping. Really dreadful. Um, they, and, he, and he's got one of those in in every match. They picked up on a few minutes before that goal. Arteta had been heard shouting narrower 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 which just gave anthony had all the yeah. time in the world to finish that and it just that made no sense what's again what, what did you make of his debut nick I, I mean i think fairly underwhelming albeit he got on the score sheet i think that's probably the most the most impact he could have hoped for he's a massive upgrade on alanga because unfortunately alanga is a trier but he is not good enough um anthony looks like he's gonna be a real fan's favorite and if nothing else he's brought a sense of feel good to the club which yeah which has been building since those first two shocking losses i think he's going to be an upgrade on the right wing I, you know i said last time i don't understand why we seem to buy every right winger on the market if they can get Sancho playing like he did for Dortmund on the left, then it's been worthwhile. And, yeah. and then suddenly United have got an attack to be feared and he looks like he's sorted the defence out. And just a quick note, Ericsson is pure class. I loved Ericsson's passing from the centre circle, yeah. It felt like a square peg in a round hole when we bought a number 10 and stuck him in, in the holding role next to McTominay, but... He is I was going to say out- you weren't you weren't impressed in earlier podcasts. No, he he was outrageously good when he was given the space. Yeah, that Odegaard left him, and, and I have to say Odegaard was brilliant and ran that ran the midfield for much of the match. But every time Eriksson got the ball, United were doing things. Over the Line is the exciting new book by Alexander Gross on the unparalleled rivalry between England and Germany. It is an in-depth look at 120 years of Anglo-German encounters, from the Christmas truce to the recent success of Gareth Southgate's England. Over the Line is available on Amazon and all good bookstores from the 12th of September. Okay, welcome back to part two, which is all going to be about VAR, I'm afraid. We had a few quiet weeks of it. It couldn't last forever. And indeed, this weekend, it's been a horror show to the extent that we've had a Monday morning apology, haven't we? Or was that even Sunday morning from the refereeing body, whoever's in charge of that? But uh, yeah, the worst incident, arguably, was at Stamford Bridge, where David Moyes' West Ham were denied uh, what seemed a perfectly good last-minute equaliser, uh, which would have been well-deserved because of a supposed foul. Jared Bowen sort of a trailing foot on um, Mendy, the goalkeeper, who then made an absolute meal of it. And um, it was unaccountably ruled out. Even worse from a Geordie point of view and for Alan Shearer um, was uh, at, at St. James's Park where uh, Isaac, the Newcastle striker, collided with the uh, Palace goalkeeper. What's his name, George? Uh, Greater. Yeah, but uh, sort of accidental collision and uh, the um, Palace defender scored an own goal, didn't he? And, well, the, uh, the Palace, de- same, sorry, the same Palace defender actually pushed him into yeah. the Palace keeper. Yeah. <laughs> it was, couldn't have been less of a foul. And who, yeah. sorry, do you know who that defender was? Was uh, it Mitchell? Tariq, was it Tariq Mitchell? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. good, good young fullback. Yeah. On the. Yeah. The Chelsea one, just quickly. One of the best gauges for these decisions can be the players' reactions, and not a yeah. single Chelsea player asks for anything. It's they're looking for reasons not to give goals, kind of. Anything. Exactly, yeah, which is a real, real worry. And and those 
those directly cost um, points, definitely. Then there was um, that wonderful goal from uh, Brighton, which was chalked off because uh, a player had allegedly been involved in the build-up. But that was absolute nonsense because it was a, a beautiful volley from outside the box. And it was sort of, again, looking for a reason not to give a great goal. And I think they even called it the, um, on match of the day, they even called the referees the the joy squashers or something like that. Um, in terms of on the, on the lighter side, before we get to Leeds, George, um, Michael Oliver stuck to his guns in the Forest uh, Birmingham game, went to the screen and decided the penalty that he'd given for handball was still a penalty. That was quite good to see and hopefully sets a precedent for some referees to be a bit braver. And then also, did you see the goal by the goal in inverted commas by Shea Adams for Southampton at Wolves? when he's headed it in from inches out, but he's also sort of got his hand to it in a in a very ungainly movement and they spotted that. No one near him or anything. It was just, it was a real embarrassment. But yeah, correct. So there were a couple of correct ones um, just to give them their due, but a lot of bad ones, not least at, at Brentford. So um, I'm not going to give you too much rope since you um, con- conceded five, George, and I don't think um, a refereeing decision in isolation can excuse what looked like a bit of a meltdown from Leeds um, and certainly our favourite uh, Melier at the back. Um, but yeah, go ahead, uh, spill the beans on the injustice. Well, there, there, there apparently isn't one because that apology didn't extend to Leeds. <laughs> well, where, where, where these apologies suddenly come from, by the way? This did Lampard start this last season? He got an apology, didn't he, for, for something towards the back end of last season? Now we're dishing out apologies. Anyway, probably because the, the gripe with the VAR controversy at the I don't know what it's called. I call it the Lego Stadium at Brentford's new ground. Brentford Community was, Stadium. You do know what it's called. You're being I don't think it's called that. I think it's called the GTEC something. Anyway. Um, <laughs> It's up until this point, we're talking about bang on the half hour mark. It'd been a perfectly entertaining game. I I watched it on a very legal stream, obviously. And there was a a, a coming together in the box between Sinistera and Ivan Tony, who went on to score a magnificent hat trick. Take nothing away from him, obviously. And Sinistera scored a nice goal as well. He did, yes. Um, But it's more the. the, the manner of the VAR decision. I, I watched it back and there were 11 replays. The referee didn't give anything to begin with. So your comment about referees sort of taking the joy out of it, I don't think referees are actually making any decisions anymore. Like Nick's point in the old in the game at Old Trafford. Can you describe actually, what kind of situation it was, please? The ball ricocheted going towards goal and they both, Sinister went to ground to get in front of Tony, but caught him with his trailing leg. I'd like to say there were 11 replays, maybe on the 11th or 12th replay, it started to look like a foul. But I think the point I'm trying to get to is it took nearly three minutes to arrive at that decision from the point of the alleged foul. And this is just not the point of VAR. It's not yeah. to stop the game for three minutes. It's not rugby. Like and I it said, can't to... possibly be clear and obvious if it takes that Exactly. Long. I think that's still the rule. I'm pretty sure mm. that's still when it should be employed. I'm not making excuses for a conceding five, but it just set the tone for the entire afternoon from then on in. And we feel unjustifiably behind. Tony has an immaculate penalty scoring record. So there's never any doubt that wasn't going to go in. Have you seen his technique? One step. Yes, I have. Yeah, he's a great penalty taker. Yeah, yeah, it's fabulous. If he gets in the England squad, that might be a nice little weapon to have. Nick, just to come in briefly, wasn't there something else on social media earlier in the day that set the tone? 
as you know, fans of the podcast know that we are big fans of the goalkeeper at Leeds, Melier. And <laughs> I believe Leeds' otherwise peerless social media team had mocked him up in a beekeeper outfit. Yeah. Brilliant. I thought you'd uh, really appreciate that, Mike. For the game away at the bees, yeah. I, I enjoyed it a huge amount and obviously enjoyed it even more so come five o'clock, having conceded five. <laughs> had this. his pants pulled down in a beekeeper's outfit. <laughs> Still yes. in your good books, George? Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of people's except you two, <laughs> it would seem. Um so anyway, yeah, it was it was the manner of it. Well, why does it take three minutes? If it's not clear and obvious, then I don't believe you should give the advantage to the team that's going to score a goal. I think it should just stay nil-nil and we all move on. And I don't think Brentford would have had a massive complaint about that. Anyway, you had a good penalty shout not given also, didn't you? Well, that's the next that's the next point. So right. Somerville, our young Dutch winger clearly has his shirt pulled as he's arriving into the box and then is tripped. And I, off pod, I've taken a screenshot of that and the Ericsson challenge we talked about before. It wasn't just he got pushed, he actually got kicked at the same time. And there was no decision again. The referee makes no decision and it doesn't even go to VAR, which results in Marsh getting a red card because he absolutely loses his mind at the injustice. Did you get a red card where you were watching? <laughs> I nearly smashed my laptop to bits. I, didn't <laughs> I, I did switch off at that point because you just know it's not going to be your day, don't you? Um, yeah. And it's 3 1 at that point. So it's still the game, still relatively in the balance. And we went on to score soon after. So, yeah, I mean, we would, might have lost that game anyway. I don't I don't care. It's it's just, it's going to ruin the game longer term if it carries on. And I'm sure this will, this will all come around. You'll both have a moment like this in the season where it just ruins a game. Yeah, it was it was a really ugly weekend for it, wasn't it? Mm, it's got yeah. so many faults. I think the main one. I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm going mad because football is generally not a game of absolutes and objective decisions. Yeah, it's not like cricket or tennis where the ball is either in or out. That mm. is absolute and binary. Most incidents on a football pitch are open to subjectivity, and yeah. I, I think that's why my point around the Ericsson foul with. Odegaard is that's a foul from every single angle so it wasn't a surprise to me that the referee needed to be corrected so I think that one made sense to me but a lot of the examples we're talking about are now down to referees being scared to make decisions on the pitch mm-hmm. um, and we wouldn't let them off the hook if they were scared to make those decisions because you had Anfield baying at them or it was a particularly raucous crowd mm-hmm. but they are now refereeing matches with something in the back of their head saying, I might be undermined here. I might have my decision turned. And it's affecting the way that they go about their job. So not only is VAR complicating subjectivity, but it's also affecting the professional out on the pitch because they are worse now than they were when VAR was not about. They're not emotional robots. Like I played football myself, obviously, at an amateur level. But if something goes against you that feels really unjust you lose your head and you, you lose yeah. your focus and they're going to do the same it doesn't matter if they're professionals you know they they all gather on the screen now don't they as well and watch it yeah. themselves so it gets in their heads and their mistakes are exposed so publicly on giant screens <laughs> yeah. in front of everyone in the moment yeah well yeah. just the, the absolute farce of one man stood there or woman one man or woman stood there watching a screen with 80,000 people waiting for you to give them the sort of fickle finger of Caesar mm. fate, yay or nay. Yeah, yeah. Very uh, imagine right. putting yeah. them in that position. It's already a high-pressure job, and I have a huge amount of sympathy for referees. Mm. I don't know why anyone would go into it. That, that angle of it is overcomplicated. No other sport has that, where they go and stand yeah. at a screen. They, they get told in their ear what to do and what's yeah. happened. And and it's become this, this circus now, where as soon as they get told to go to the screen, one set of fans cheers because they know that means 
it's going to get overturned or something's going to get given. They never go to the screen and maintain their decision. Except like Michael Oliver at Forest, yeah. A notable example, yeah. yeah Which true. leaves it open to even more criticism because if the, the common sort of rule is now go to the screen, turn it over, mm-hmm. and then you have the the chutzpah to go to the screen and stick with your decision, it's going to get febrile in the stadium. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. It is just, if I was meant to be brought in to make referees better and give them and better arm them to make better decisions, it's completely undermining them and they need to do something about it. Yeah, but likewise, I, I wouldn't get rid of, I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bath water and get rid of VAR entirely because... It has improved some things, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I just think there are weekends like this one where they seem to forget the rules that they've set, as we've talked about with clear and obvious, and they make such awful errors. I mean, this weekend, I really thought the apology was damn necessary because of yeah. that Chelsea incident, especially. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put my colours on the mask and say I don't think VAR has improved the game at all, actually. Mm. I think um, my my personal hatred for it comes from the fact that the Premier League and the Championship is now two different sports. And you don't have the theatre of the referee standing on the side watching the screen in the championship. And so they do this have... season, actually. They've actually introduced it this season. Are they? Oh, but sorry, it's not going apologies. well. Yeah. It's not going well. So the <laughs> but I get your point about the leagues. Yeah. 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 What I want is the, the guys lining up in the FA Cup on a Sunday morning in yeah. the first round to be playing the same sport mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. the 11 people wearing the, the red of Arsenal or Man United yeah. or Liverpool. Yeah. They've completely undermined the footballing pyramid by introducing it at the upper echelons. I agree with Nick. It was supposed to brought in to remove controversy and remove debate about decisions, and it's made it worse. I think people are even more enraged than they were before. And it's the slowness. That's my my biggest gripe about the weekend was the slowness of it. This whole going to the screen thing. Why don't they just stand by the screen and wait for the, to be told to go to the screen? It'd save about another minute. They stand at the other end of the pitch and wait for the told to yeah, go yeah, to yeah. the screen. It's all yeah. just a, yeah. No other sport has got it so wrong. Can't be that difficult. Uh, final thoughts on the match, George, or perhaps um, best to leave that one, but you've got Forrest at home no. next. That's a big one. I was chatting to some other Leeds fans today and suddenly, and it sounds a bit daft to call it must win, but if, if we don't win that and then get our customary annual thrashing Old Trafford <laughs> the week after. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> we, go into, we go into an international break without a win in five. So I, I, I do think it is along the lines of must win. In terms of that game, um, as a neutral, you know, you've got to be thinking about Ivan Tony for England. I, I saw yeah. stats from the start of last season. He's the third highest scoring Englishman. And it, it's quite funny how Bamford came off the bench and missed from three yards. That's like, if we're talking about two strikers looking at the World Cup, Tony has definitely put his hat in the ring more than Bamford has. Just like to, a little stat I like about Sinisterias. Three starts, three goals from outside the box. I'm not sure if that's ever been done before. Excellent. Um, good sign. Like a very good replacement for Rafinha. Yeah. Yeah. Plays on the right flank. Yes, and drifts in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Good player. Okay. So a big game against Forest. Then Old Trafford, as you've mentioned already, which you Might are be... looking forward to, really. You just <laughs> Might... don't want to say it. Might be unavailable for that pod. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Forest game will be another watch along, so I look forward to that. That's right. That's a proper tasty old English game that I fancy leads. I have to say, George, I think the Forest bubble has burst quite quickly, unfortunately. Wow. Under the lights. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to part three, and no more talk of VAR and refereeing. Agreed, boys? Sounds good. uh, Spurs were at home to Fulham on Saturday, and uh, we won 2-1. But unlike previous performances where I've uh, wailed about our playing style and uh, a number of shots on goal, 
I, I listened to this on the radio, but by all accounts, we could have had eight, nine, etc. Um, so much happier with um, the way we played. Fulham's playing identity helped in that sense, which goes back to what I said last week about the, the profile of the three promoted teams suiting a team like us. Did anyone see Mitrovic's goal, at least on the highlights? Yeah, he can score all types of goals, can't he? He's a very yeah. rest I finish. Mean, wonderful yeah. finish, but actually the goal from start to finish, from, from uh, mm. their box right into his wonderful finish in our box, I thought was a brilliant goal, really fantastic. And I'm glad we had a two-goal lead when it happened because we might have had the wobblies. I love Mitrovic. Yeah, he's a great really. player. Uh, full of passion as well, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, do you remember when he took the uh, 45 shirt at Newcastle because he thought nine was too much pressure, but four and five added up to nine, so that was second best? Yeah. <laughs> Good lad. Also important to say that on Wednesday night at the London Stadium, we really did escape with that point. We got a 1-1 at West Ham and, and an own goal by the by the so far hapless Tilo Carer and uh, Socek's equaliser. But especially towards the end, obviously their cup final, so uh, absolutely bouncing <laughs> in the London Stadium and loads of chances and then the, the ball bobbling across the goal line in, in added time. Yeah, real escape and we remain unbeaten. Played 6-1-4. Drawn two, really happy with that. Man City away on Saturday, which we always win, don't we? So it's a good one, Matt. I'm very excited <laughs> to see where both teams are at. Yeah, Haaland and Kane. I mean, yeah, there's something funny about Spurs versus City, isn't it? Because we've beaten them a few times in recent years when we really had no right to, especially last season. I still don't understand how that happened. That's but, exactly um, the kind of game Pep will rest him as well. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then bring him on at half time, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I welcome that. Um, I must say. Yeah, and before that, of course, uh, I'm going this midweek to Champions League. And um, just quite eye-opening when I mentioned that I was at our last Champions League home game, and that was in February 2020. So think about it. That was about four to six weeks before the full national lockdown Mm. took effect. It was a a dreary and uh, unsatisfying 1-0 defeat to Red Bull Leipzig, where Timo Werner scored the only goal under Mourinho a few months after Poch had been sacked. Yeah, and since then we have been in Europe, of course. We've we've been in the Europa League, uh, dumped out in Zagreb. Uh, and then uh, we've been in the uh, Conference League with the, with the walkover because of COVID uh, last season against Rennes, wasn't it? So uh, all very uninspiring. I know, George, you're going to say well, being Europe is much better than nothing, but it's it's not the same. And uh, I look forward to being back at the top table on Wednesday night um, and actually hopefully playing some good football compared to when we were last there under Mourinho when it was all a bit stale. Um, and it's uh, Marseille who are a great side to watch as far as I know. They've they've still got Payet, haven't they? Um, so I hope they don't get a free kick anywhere near the D and um, they'll have some uh, good noisy fans as well which should make for a good atmosphere so Alexis Sanchez is there now and Alexis uh, Sanchez Eric Bailly you get to see Alexis will get the treatment I'm sure and they've still got Bamba Dieng if that name means anything to you (laughs) (laughs) the deadline day saga that was brilliant uh, what about you um, on, on Thursday night, dare I say, Nick? You've got Real Sociedad at home. Do you expect a routine victory there? Difficult to say because I'd expect eight or nine changes. I think it'll be interesting to see the defence because I think it's going to be a real defence throwback uh, because I'd expect Luke Shaw, Wambasaka, Maguire and Lindelof to all start, yeah. who were, not so long ago were the first choice back four. And, yeah, and now, funny, isn't it? Yeah. 
club captain gets a run out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, United could do without the Europa League. I don't think anyone will care about it until they get to the semi-finals, if they get to the semi-finals. George shaking his head, listener. What I wouldn't give yeah. <laughs> to be in the Europa League. Busy this midweek, George? Well, I'm, I'm on that game. I'm hoping that uh, not for the first time, David Silva runs the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be enjoying the Champions League and Europa League for sure, just not in it, obviously. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the slightly sad thing about the Europa League is United could easily get beaten 3-0 on Thursday and they'll still constantly get out of the group. There's one to run up the flagpole. Thank you for that. <laughs> quote, quote me on that. Yeah. Could get beaten 3-0, still comfortably get out of the group. Remember that, listener? <laughs> Sheriff beat Real Madrid, let's not forget. So we've got that. And then um, next weekend, well, we've already said Spurs at City, tea time on Saturday, and Leeds at Forest, uh, Leeds at home to Forest on the Monday night football. Manchester United, can the run continue at your old friend Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace, Nick? I just don't know. Like, tough feels, fixture. Yeah, it's a tough fixture. And United feel like they're in the right direction. But also there's this feeling that at any moment the walls could come tumbling down again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm just glad to be looking forward to the matches. And yes. Makes a change, that, doesn't it? That will do me. Okay. And we have the, the uh, fierce derby at lunchtime on Saturday between uh, Chelsea and Fulham as well. Okay. Thank, thanks as ever, boys. And uh, chat again next Monday with the watch along at Ellen Road, which would be good fun and uh, not a little stressful, I'm sure, as well. Uh, thank <laughs> you very much, George. Enjoy thank a you. quiet week. Uh, thank you, Nick. Enjoy Thursday night. Yeah, see you next week. I'll enjoy Marseille if I can and uh, speak to you next week. 